There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Bing bong. That's right. It's bing bong time. Congratulations, everybody. We made it through the what? Have US we? day. No, we didn't. I don't know. What time is it even in the US? Now? Yes. When people are listening to this? I don't know. People listen to it at different times. So they it, could do. Be, it could be they any do. time. Well, who knows what the world will be like when we wake up tomorrow when this is released. That's right. uh, but Where we are at the moment, uh, as of recording this, Donald Trump has declared victory in a... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and has said that he should. we should all just stop counting the rest of the votes. He's got a point. No. Oh, yeah, Are no, he doesn't. Saying- so I just realised that that's, that's not usually how an election <laughs> No, runs. and I've been told that it literally can't happen. They can't, he can't do that because yeah, well, legally we'll yeah, each vote counts it, as long absolutely. as they've been, you know, processed properly. Anywho, welcome to Suggestible Pod. I'm Claire. James is over there. We Hello. are married um, and we're slightly terrified about the state of the world. Yeah, but we've been like that all year, so don't even worry about it. It's just business <laughs> as usual, mate. People who've been listening to this pod all year and some people just jumped on recently and have listened to the back catalogue and heard us from a year ago and were like, oh, mate, you had no <laughs> idea what was coming. Because <laughs> we were talking about the world being on fire last December, January yeah. when we had the terrible bushfires. Yeah, and that's coming around again. We're due for that soon. We're heading into summer, so that's going to be fun. Oh, God. Oh, we have excellent. come out of lockdown, so that's good. We have. Yeah. We're back in our old studio space. Come on. There's yeah. been zero recorded cases for the oh, last four days in Victoria. Holy and I just doing. can't believe it. It's I can't I, I cannot know. believe I it. I went out for brunch. Yeah. We went and sat in a park with our friends and had a picnic. Clicked ten people on the face today. He <laughs> did. You were bold. Oh, but also I want to say if you're in the UK and EU and you're going oh, back yeah. into lockdown. Yeah, I know, right. Oh boy, we're sending you so much love and we're sorry for boasting. We're just so happy to be in the Oh yeah, sorry, like I didn't mean that months, to be a boaster. Yeah, I just meant You like, did. He's the biggest boaster. I'm really, he I am. was boasting about it before he came. But no, I'm just happy I'm just happy because we've been in lockdown for like 6 months. Hold the phone. Mm. Did you just say you're happy? I didn't say anything. All right, can I go on with my <laughs> You have never said you're happy first? in your goddamn life. What's that? Uh, yeah, your turn. Okay, so what yeah, I've been doing, I've just been endlessly scrolling Twitter and just kind of watching election coverage. And just, just what I've been every doing time for I twelve hours you. in a row. I've got like an earpiece in, and you're like, I just you just look over me, and I'm just looking concerned, doing the dishes or something, <laughs> just like <laughs> frowning to myself. You, you've got this like panic look, and he's dropped his phone, like a, a frightened deer. You're just like walking back and forth, patrolling the house. Yeah. I've just tell you, got to get off there. I know. You've you're right. Well, that's not it. really what I'm going to talk about today because I am going to talk about something. Interesting. Probably not. It's not less political. (laughs) No. I'll say this, though. Uh, My second thing is a happy thing, but the first one is The Trial of Chicago 7, which came to Netflix a couple of weeks ago, which is written directed by Aaron Sorkin, who people might know from The West Wing and various other things that he's done over the years, hasn't he? Social Network. They should do a sequel to The Social Network, don't you reckon? 
Um, like an updated version of what Facebook has become. <laughs> yeah. Since, don't you reckon? Just yeah, get the cast should. back and just go again. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm serious. Just get Mark Zuckerberg Yeah, on what's the his record. name? Jesse Eisenberg or whatever and yeah. get him to do it again. Oh, God. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen like Mark Zuckerberg in an interview. He's so weird. He's so weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't – yeah, there's something – he's definitely not entirely – Empathetic. I would say that connected. Do you, I don't do you remember know. there was a point in time, not to get too political, but he looked like he was going to run, like he was kind of gearing up to run. Oh, yeah, that was, that was like a few years back. Mm. He was like visiting factories and being like, "How do businesses operate? I'm here. I'm I'm a man of the oh, people. No. Like get out here with your jeans and your pressed tee. <laughs> you fool. You don't look like a real person. Anyway, uh, so it stars uh, Yaha Abdul Medin the second, Sasha Baron Cohen, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Frank Langella, Eddie Redmayne. Follows a group of Vietnam protesters in the seventies who were charged with crossing individually. They did this because they were in di- like different. They were crossing groups. the road. They to were get crossing to the, the road together, but they weren't holding hands. And you have to hold hands when you cross the road. <laughs> no, they were uh, charged with crossing state lines to James, incite a riot. Why did the chicken cross the road? Why, Claire? To incite a riot. <laughs> Correct. That was the correct answer. Very also, good. I did not mean to make light. I saw this film. It was very moving and full of It was good because a lot of, uh, uh, to be frank, a lot of the, uh, <laughs> maybe I'll just be James, am I right? But uh, a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of Netflix films are pretty average. I'd probably like you better if you were called Frank. Well, my grandpa's name was Frank, although that wasn't his real name. That's just what people called him. It's neither here nor that there. That used to happen all the time. Yeah, well, the, both of my grandpas were called different things than their actual names were, and they weren't even nicknames. They were, like, completely different names. Yeah. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, so it, it, it's also got a lot of parallels today because it does deal with like police brutality and protesting and kind of the backlash. But like, and, and look, to be fair, it's it's obviously more sided towards the protesters than the police. Which, but also as history indicated from this particular event in time, that is not inaccurate, it turns out. Correct. Uh, not, not to say that there weren't mistakes made on the, the protesters' side because there absolutely well. were. So it ends up in this court case and all these, they're called uh, the trial of the Chicago 7 because they're all lumped together. They all came with kind of different purposes. They, some of them knew each other, some of them didn't, but they tried to put, like, put them all in and pin this uh, violence and instigation on them during the Nixon administration. This was just after he'd, he'd got in. And it mostly sticks to kind of the, there are em- embellishments with certain characters. I know Sasha Baron Cohen's character isn't entirely accurate and, and, and uh, in reference to his beliefs, but it mostly sticks to to the court recordings, and it is it's, so it's it's framed in a courtroom, and then it flashes back to the events leading up to and the day of uh, the day of the riot, and it's really this kind of pivotal moment in history, which is obviously reflected now with what we're seeing, not just in the US, I feel, but but a, but around the world, and I think if you haven't watched it, and if you're a fan of I think Aaron Sorkin's movies, or this is something that you think might be interesting uh, to you, it's got like great performances. It's it's really gripping. I've, mm. um, it's got some really kind of horrific moments in it as well, not just the violence but just the way certain people are treated, which I won't um, get into here. And that's something that you kind of need to see in the movie, I yeah. feel. But uh, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was real and there was some – everybody in it was was terrific, particularly Frank Langella as the judge is this kind of like doddering, racist, horrible judge. And he's also like in real life. He's not like that at all. He's – very personable. Robot and Frank, you ever seen that movie? Oh, I love that movie. Have you ever seen He-Man, the Masters of the Universe in the 80s? He played, of course sca- played I Skeletor. I have seen bloody <laughs> He-Man wielding muscles on a horse. Yeah, what yeah, does he but- do, He-Man? Yeah, he's on a blue. He's on a. He's on a green tiger. Yeah, that's. I thought he rode something. Yeah. Cringer. Right out Cringer becomes life. Battle Cat. Oh, Lord. Here we go. Yeah. 
Let's not open that can of worms, no, but Frank. Any, that's right. <laughs> you and, old boot. I've run it back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's good and you should watch it. Uh, mm. But maybe not this week. This may not be the week to watch it. Yeah. If you're looking out for your mental health, it may not be. But mm. it is such an important movie to watch. Um, it also yeah. shows the regime change, uh, the government, because there, there's a government change that happens. Um, mm. The Nixon administration comes in and how protesters, the protesters were treated differently. Under and, different. And, under, and which, you know, yeah, I think. leadership. We're also obviously yeah, seeing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I think. What I've been reflecting a lot on recently and what I've really absorbed when I watched it was how for so long when we were kids and teenagers, I feel like we we saw kind of these this level of protesting, this level of civil unrest because of the places we lived in the world as a part of history, mm. almost in like a, not a black and white lens but in that kind of like grayscale kind of way where that's history but that's yeah. not. We don't that have to fight our rights. That was ages ago. Yeah, that was ages. That was a long time ago and um, battles were fought. But now in terms of our country, it's all been won. Everything's fine. Yeah. And, you know, we just took global stability and peace for granted. And I think I'm And just, I think a lot of that is also an illusion. I think it's like those things exist for some people. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, the majority of people in the world live under oppression. Mm. It's just that we've been living in a privileged place and yeah, we still great. live in a privileged place. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you would love it, Franco, Frank. Anyway, so I think it's not a comfortable thing to be coming to grips with, but I think, I don't know if you've been feeling this, it's so heightened everything at the moment. Yeah. It's like sitting through, you are, we're sitting through history that will be mm. written down and spoken about, hopefully in better times. People um, will be smearing it on cave walls and charcoal in three years. Okay, we've we'll all been be, obliterated. <laughs> we'll be living in huts, digging in the dirt, like in that um, BBC show Years and Years with Emma Thompson. Yeah. Oh, that's another show that is excellent we've talked about before. Do not watch it now. feels very close to reality. Anyway, yeah, highly recommend that. Okay, my turn? Absolutely. Yeah, it's my turn. That's how this show works. We recommend you stuff. We and, like to take turns. Ooh, okay, so I'm just going to not go for something, you know, terribly deep and dark. I am going for a podcast this week. I love podcasts. I know. This one's called A Podcast of One's Own with Julia Gillard, who is Australia's first female prime minister. She herself is a really interesting character. You might know her. It kind of went viral. Her misogyny speech that she mm. did in Parliament has now become a TikTok video. It's true. Um, and if you haven't watched it, it's awesome. Maybe Collins could put a little bit of it in here right now, the little TikTok bit because it's so I'm good. Julia Gillard <laughs> and this is a viral video. Right. I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. And the government Order. will not be lectured about sexism Order. and misogyny by this man. Not now, not ever. The leader of the opposition says that people who hold sexist views and who are misogynists are not appropriate for high office. Well, I hope the leader of the opposition has got a piece of paper and he is writing out his resignation. Because if he wants to know what misogyny looks like in modern Australia, he doesn't need a motion in the House of Representatives. He needs a mirror. I'm a bitch. I'm a boss. Anyway, it's very badassery and great. But her podcast of one's own, it's based on Virginia Woolf's quote that says that, um, or book called A Room of One's Own, 
to write in. So that was her kind of feminist manifesto mm. about women needing a room of their own to write in. And this is a podcast of one's own and it's for women in leadership basically. It explores women in leadership in all different areas. She has some really fascinating interviews. So one of my favourite podcasters, as we've talked about before, is Deborah Francis-White um, from the Guilty Feminist podcast and she interviews her and Deb is just always in- incredible. I always say Deb like Your friend Deb. we're really good friends, but, you know, we could be. Anyway, yeah, so that's really good. That's about women and guilt. And she also interviews Hillary Clinton, which is a really interesting interview because they're obviously quite good friends and they've seen each other around a lot. You feel like you're kind of eavesdropping in on all these really impressive people mm. who kind of are talking to their, you know, friend for, of like a long time. I feel like there should be more interviews like that. I feel like a lot of the times you get like snippets in, you know, newspapers or or interviews on TV and it's just like fragments and then it's like next question and it's yeah, just like exactly. no. go, go, go. And then people clip certain things out of it. And I love those like sit down, mm. have a, like a frank discussion. Yeah. You can really kind of delve into things and also push back, which I think is really Is really good, yeah. yeah. And Julia Gillard is quite direct. She, she a lot, her, she's definitely the one asking the questions. So mm. it's not really conversation. It is conversational, but it's conversational about the guest. Yeah. So Julia Gillard doesn't really bring in her own personal anecdotes very often. Yeah, right. Though she comes across as really warm and funny and frank. I think she could have been a great prime minister I given do. the opportunity. And I yeah, think also. Yeah, for a longer time. I she mean, was I think prime like minister. the way that. No, no, yeah, I know. Did I say she wasn't? Yeah, you said she, I think she could have been a good prime minister. Yeah, as in like if she had have kept yeah, on. Yeah, kept I mean, on, she was I know. Prime minister for like- it was such a tumultuous time in Australian yeah. politics if you don't know um, about that particular But I think that was a mistake also to like go for the leadership as well. Like I'm not going to get into it, but because I, I think that just, I think that's completely fucked the Labor Party for like to this day because of that. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. I think they were a good team, like I think. Yeah, and she particularly is so impressive. Yeah, Um, yeah, so her interview with um, Hillary Clinton is incredible and she's just done so much outside of politics now. It's kind of liberating and Hillary Clinton is the same now. Now that they've stepped outside of politics and you get the impression they're not planning to go back in, they're they're free to be more of themselves, I think, and um, decide what they want to do. And Julia Gillard has done a lot. She works and heads up a team at the, I think it's the Institute for Women's Leadership in the UK. And she also is the head of Beyond Blue, which is a mental health organisation in Australia. Yeah, so she's doing incredible work, particularly Mm -hmm. for women's rights. She also just wrote a book on women's leadership really recently, which was also really great. Anyway, so it might sound a bit dry. It's not. It's fascinating. So Deborah S. White, um, Hillary Clinton, and one of my other favourite interviews that she did was with a woman called Hannah Fry, and this is she's a mathematician born in Harlow, England, and if you're from the UK, you must be familiar with her because she's on so many different TV shows. She's an author, lecturer, radio and television presenter, podcaster and public speaker, and her work includes studying the patterns of human behaviour, such as interpersonal relationships and dating and how mathematics can apply to them. Yeah, she's just written two really popular maths books, The Mathematics of Love, Patterns, Proofs and the Search for the Ultimate Equation, which explores the mathematics in um, the chance of finding love, the chance that it will last, how online dating works from a mathematical standpoint. So romantic. I know. When you should settle down. When should you settle down? All this kind of stuff. Well, who knows? Can game theory help decide whether or not to... um, 
call. What's game theory in relation to? Well, you know all of that stuff. You remember that book, The Game? Oh, that's what I thought. Is that actually what? Yeah, it, what yeah. Like, about? where oh, is totally. that something you can work out mathematically? So, what I loved about her is she's so warm and funny, and a really great communicator. So she's not the sort of person that you would typically associate with being a mathematics professor. Um, she's also a mum as well. Is she the one who won her husband? Won her husband? But didn't she like make like the ideal dating profile or whatever? Yeah, she did that do her? that. Yeah, she did a TED talk about it. Anyway, I just I loved the interview with Julie. You got Gillard. gamed. <laughs> what? Who got gamed? He did. Oh yeah, he did. Totes. And the other book she's written, which I think is right up your alley, old Franco Booty over there, Franco Booty. It's called Hello World Is Here. It's a book about how we've slowly handed over control to computers, how there are algorithms and artificial intelligence hiding behind almost every aspect of our modern lives and what that means for our society. It's true. It's like when I buy something online and then for a month I get ads for that thing that I just bought. And I'm like, "Mm, well done algorithm. Yeah. You've really captured me. But I just think I find this whole thing fascinating because, you know, you do maths at high school and unless you go on to study maths, you know, in university, you kind of I think it's feel maths, like maths, study maths. No, that's uh, Married at First Sight, mate. That's true. That was a hugely popular relative show here where everyone was like getting married and then figuring out they hated each other, then having sex, then cheating on each other and then ultimately imploding on national television. Love it. I hated I've it. I've never seen it. It was really popular here. Me neither. Everyone was very Botoxed as well. Yeah. A lot you of you got to get on early in the Botox because that's how you get on top of your wrinkles, isn't it? Yeah, it's too late for you. <laughs> crater face. <laughs> crater face. These are crevasses, Claire. Crevasses. Oh, I see. They're laughter lines. Why don't you kiss my crevasses? <laughs> no, thanks. It's too wrinkly. I think Ooh, laughter snap. lines are good. Are a good thing. I don't have any. Mine are all frowns. Like yeah, you've furrow. got – you really do have a furrow in the centre of your head from of all the brow. frowning. Whereas have you noticed that my face is like incredibly line-free? Mm. I know it's getting a bit more liney, but mm. my my forehead though – no creases That's there. All, I also have a giant forehead, so I got there's all more room right. for, uh, all right. for wrinkles. Anywho. Is well, it my turn? I just wanted to say you should listen to that podcast with Julie Gillard. It's I think we good. know that, Claire. You've already mentioned the podcast. All right. Don't you feel that you've covered anyway, it adequately? Hannah Fry has a lot of stories about because she was quite young and she's quite beautiful, actually. Like me. Um, and she said something, mm, well. Like me. We... <laughs> yes. Yes, Frankie Booty. Like anyway, keep, what, what about anyway, her? That was it. She just had a really interesting discussion about what it's like to start off as a young woman in that industry and this kind of element of surprise, being a woman in maths and being quite young and surprising people with your knowledge has allowed her to grow and develop her career in this kind of amazing way, though she's also faced a lot of sexism as well. Mm. But she said what's interesting is the way that people have changed their opinion of her after she became a mother um, um, and that she had to go to back to work six months, no, it was six weeks after giving birth just to prove that she could still do her job because there was this real kind of, oh, but you'll not want to do any of this anymore now that you're a mother and, we, you know, well, maybe we know just stay at home and take, you know, have a rest. Similar and, things as well. Yeah, exactly. There's a real um, vibe that, you know, once you become a mother, that's it, you won't want to continue with your career. Anyway, so I just found it fascinating. Okay, your turn. What boring thing have you got now? Oh, no, it was happy. Yes, happy. Is it a song? Because uh, you're happy, happy, okay. long. So this is called. Feel like uh, a room without a roof. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cause I'm happy oh, as long if you don't like anything. Feel what happiness in a trap. I just don't think it's a very good song. You don't say that about uh, You don't like anything. No, I like lots of things. No. I like this movie. It's called Love and Monsters. You know what, you, what songs you like? Mm. Sad sex songs. I do like sad sex songs. Real sad uh, songs. Love and Monsters, directed by Michael Matthews. It stars Dylan O'Brien, Jessica Henwick and Michael Rooker. Is it a movie about my love of you because you're a monster? <laughs> I don't think, no, it's not obviously about that, Claire. Don't you think that's something we both would have heard of and people would have emailed the show about if that's what it was about? Claire. Look, you didn't start off as a monster, but slowly your face is caving in on It's true. I saw a photo of myself the other day and I'm like, who the fuck is that? I've done all my ageing in my 30s. You look before that, I just look the same. I hit 32. I wonder what happened. Which was the age we started having kids now, I think about it. Yeah, it's really ageing, isn't it? Anyway, uh, so stop me if you've heard this before, but this is a post-apocalyptic film, right? Oh, Lord. But it's with a twist, Mason. Mason? (laughs) Whatever your fucking name is. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is not the first time that that has happened. It's not. And I've also called Mason Claire as well. At least it's only during the podcast. It would be awkward (laughs) in other situations. So, so, um. So, okay, what happens, right? There's a comet coming towards Earth. Oh. Everyone's like, oh, no, let's shoot nuclear weapons at it. And they do, and they get the comet. And everyone's like, cool, that's great. What happens from the nuclear fallout causes, causes radiation to rain down on the Earth. And it, uh, it radiates and uh, what's it called? When, the bloody, when something changes into a different thing. Mutates, <laughs> mutates a bunch of like Guys, he's really normally benign creatures, usually cold-blooded creatures, into like big monstrous versions of themselves. So there's like giant lizards, giant snails, giant ants, all these giant crabs, all these kinds of things, like tank-sized like creatures that suddenly spring up and are running the globe. And because they're basically insects, you ha- everyone has to move underground because you know that insects are. Insects? Insects are insects. Do you know what I mean? Ah, yeah, I see. I've always thought that if ants were giant, they would take over the planet. They also can't be giant because something to do with like the air in relation to their body. And I'm not sure how that works exactly, but they're like they're, oh, they're, they're not designed. heavy they can, enough. They just I, float I, away. They just float away. You just be like, no, flying there's something ants. to do with, and it's the same as spiders. They can only get so big. Well, something that's to do comfy, with. I don't know how comfy. that works. But anyway, what about those bird-eating spiders that are like the size of dinner plates? Yeah, but again, that's like as big as they get. And if you've got a like a cricket bat, that's not a problem. Big spider, don't even worry about it. <laughs> anyway, so specific. Joel, that's very specific. Who plays D- Dylan O'Brien? He goes underground, and he's underground in an underground bunker for about seven years. But he's also got this problem with cowardice because he has PTSD from the events that unfolded, which ended up him in this underground bunker being he- eaten by. Goliath yeah. bird eater spider tarantula yes. family that's found in northern South America. Yes, 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 yes. There so anyway, he then gets in contact with his old girlfriend played by Jessica Henwick on the radio and he decides to go above ground and go cross country to find her, right? So that's so that's why it's love and monsters, right? So he sets <sighs> off but he's a coward. He doesn't know how to deal with anything. 
and now there's monsters out there. And also because everybody lives underground, nobody knows these aren't documented. So he's kind of documenting the monsters as he goes, how do you come what well, they come across, their strengths, their weaknesses, kind of how to avoid them and and whatever. Uh, but it's got and you know, he meets people along the way and all these kinds of things. It's kind of a bit like Zombieland, if you've ever seen Zombieland. It's got that kind of feel do in terms of like. I think I rules. would have seen Zombieland. I've seen Zombieland. It's a comedy. It's a zombie comedy. Nah. Oh, I'm not into it. But it's got really great creature designs. Like they'll take like a snail and then they'll like big it up and like mutate it and make its oh, eyes like what? really cool and stuff okay, like that. Okay, I like you that. You should watch it. You know how much I love snails. There yeah. were so many today. It's got really great creature designs and effects as well. It's a beautiful looking film because it's also shot in Australia. It's shot in like the bush. which oh. I, So I'm like, I'm watching I'm like, this is Australia. I'm pretty confident this is Australia. And I looked it up and I'm like, it was Australia. I knew it. <laughs> Uh, I loved it. It was really fun. It's on, uh, you can hire it off, rent it off of YouTube or whatever. So, yeah, you should watch it. It's really All right. cool. Yeah, yeah, I actually want to watch that. It's fun. Only, for only and it's for not the giant super, snail. super violent either. Like, people get killed and stuff, but it's not like, it's not gory. It's just like, it's more kind of, uh, I don't know, like, your, have you ever seen like a giant creature movie before? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like that, I okay. guess. Yeah. Cool. Is it a little bit like a little bit Honey, like I Shrunk the Kids? A little bit, yeah. It's a little bit, 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 uh, it's a little bit like the movie Eight-Legged Freaks. Did you ever see that about the giant spiders that take mm, over the town? No. Yeah. Is it like the giant spiders in Harry Potter? A little bit. That I don't think there's thing. any spiders in it. Anyway, it's oh. great. You should watch oh, it. Oh, there's giant creatures in, giant spider in The Hobbit in uh, Lord of the Rings. That's true. There is. Shelob or something. Oh, what a cool or name. All right. Name. Is it my turn, my turn, my turn, my turn? I think it's your turn, your turn. It your is turn, my turn. turn. You've been banging on for too long about your post-apocalyptic things. Thank you. All right. I have a few things. I have a little uh, smattering. You know how I like to do that sometimes? It's like a tasting plate when you go a to A tasting plate, a little bouquet. Mm. Yes, a, ta- a tasting platter, if you will. Okay. First up. Um, BBC Murder Mystery Series that I won't talk about for very long because I always watch these. However, you also always recommend post-apocalyptic things. Yeah, but mine are good. Yours are like the same thing. (laughs) All right. So this one is, it's not amazing, but if you like murder mystery series, Nicola Walker um, plays a detective in and she is just brilliant. She was in The Split and I've just become kind of obsessed with finding things with her in it because I really like her. I think she's like quite an intriguing, great actress. Um, it's also got Sanjeev Bhaskar in it as well. He's from the Kumars. He is, yeah. and they 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 are like the detective team together exploring these murders. There's three seasons, and it's just exactly what it says on the tin. It's called Unforgotten, and they explore um, cold cases and you know dig them up. And it's just you know they dig them up, kind of they? gloomy. Yeah, they're gloomy, kind of terrible cases, that, and they kind of there's one case per season, mm. and I just really enjoyed it. And it was kind of, you know, there's some heartwarming parts in it, some comedy. Sounds absolutely Mostly fine. just a murder mystery. Sounds yeah, pretty correct. standard stuff. That's my first stuff. smattering. The next thing I've got is um, Jamie Oliver. I don't know why I sung like that. Jamie Oliver's quinoa chicken salad from his recipe book, 15 minute, famous 15 minute meals. It's just really good. I made it. 15 Remember minutes, my We had a date Maybe night. Maybe expert chef, Jamie oh, Oliver. whatever. Remember we had a date night a no. few, like, Years ago, it feels like. I think it was two weeks ago. And I made that chicken, quinoa, mango, avocado, feta salad nah, thing. No, it wasn't me. Sorry. What? You said to me it was like the best meal you'd had in ages. I don't know. Sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. <sighs> Bloody. You just tell the people that you must it was have been delicious. on a date with somebody else in lockdown. I don't <laughs> know. And I made it with black rice as well. Yeah, perhaps maybe. And rocket. It was sure. so delicious. Must have been. God. 
No, it was really good. It was really good. Anyway, yeah, so yeah, I, uh, I yeah. recommend that as well. He's, I really like his 15-minute meal um, book. But you call them 42-minute yeah, meals. Yeah, they're not 15 minutes. They're a long time. And they're only 15 minutes if you're Jamie Oliver and have all the contraptions in your kitchen under the sun. That's true. And no screaming kids around you mm. asking for things. Uh, anyway, that was delicious. Um, and the other thing I made today was the lemon olive oil cake, um, which I got from Annabelle Crab, but it's just delicious. It's three zested lemons. And to deal with my election anxiety, I've just been zesting and juicing all the lemons on our lemon tree. I came out this morning and there was just a hundred lemons squeezed <laughs> on the table. And I'm like, okay. Well, because what else are we going to do with them? I'm freezing them. You will thank me later when we we've got them zest and cars. juice. We throw them at passing cars. I thought that's what we decided. Uh, anyway, this lemon olive oil cake is kind of a revelation. It's just three zested lemons, three eggs, flour, uh, milk, um, and you just kind of whip it all up together. Can you put them in in any in order, oven. in any quantities? No, you have to scrunch the sugar into the zest and then you have How to much whip sugar? the eggs. How much zest? 300 grams of sugar, 300 grams of self-raising flour. So you scrunch three eggs. Zest? Oh, three um, lemons worth of zest. How big are the lemons? It's three, 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 and three, mate. That's the genius of this recipe. Okay. It's all about the three things. It's good. All right. Three lemons zested. Put the three eggs in. You didn't even care about this. You were just asking me to talk. I'm all over it. Oh, I love this. You're letting me walk into my own whatever. Anyway, so that's my smattering. Um, and is, your, is the recipe on your Instagram? Yes, correct. I'm putting it on my Instagram with me um, baking it because I was stress baking today as well. What is your Instagram? Where could people find you? At Claire Tontu. No, at Claire Tonti. <laughs> at the old boot. No, at Claire Tonti. Uh, yes, correct. And my last little tasting pleasure, mm, chef's kiss, mm, delicious. Um, is a poet called Maggie Smith. Not the Maggie Smith that you might be thinking of, the actor. The actual. That's who I was thinking of. Well, no, she's a poet, American oh. poet. Um, she lives in Ohio. And one of her most famous poems is a poem called Good Bones, which Glennon Doyle shared today on her Instagram and I've read before. And it really hits you in the in like a real place. Are you going to read it? How long is it? Can I read it? It's not very long. How long is it? It's like, I don't know. 20 lines. Okay. If it's bad at the end, I'm going to say poetry, more like poetry. So just be aware (laughs) of that. Go on. You'll like it. It's gloomy. All right. Good Bones by Maggie Smith. Life is short, though I keep this from my children. Life is short and I've shortened mine in a thousand delicious, ill-advised ways. A thousand deliciously ill-advised ways I'll keep from my children. The world is at least 50% terrible and that's a conservative estimate. Though I keep this from my children. For every bird, there is a stone thrown at a bird. For every loved child, a child broken, bagged, sunk in a lake. Life is short and the world is at least half terrible. And for every kind stranger, there is one who would break you. Though I keep this from my children. I'm trying to sell them the world. Any decent realtor walking you through a real shithole chirps on, on about good bones. This place could be beautiful, right? You could make this place beautiful. It's pretty deep, but I will say this. Poetry. I like <laughs> poetry. I really like that. That was actually really good. I thought you would. You got me, Claire. I could tell. I you got, got you me. In the field. That's really great. It is. And accurate. I'm like, yeah, that I have like like the things that I've done to like to like ruin my life. I'm like, I would never tell our kids that. <laughs> yeah. Or mention it on this show. Um, yeah. But, yeah, just the idea that, like, because I have that thing of, like, I'm very wary of strangers. 
like and I'm like very untrusting of people that <laughs> yeah. I know, which is probably not a good place to be because I think most people are trying their best and whatever. But, mm. yeah, I do have that thing of like I don't trust anybody. Like it sounds, yeah. It's, uh, that sounds really terrible but. um. No, yeah. it's funny. I think we are, this poem reminded me of the dual sides of us because mm. I'm the opposite. I'm too trusting, I think, and I, I, I do often get surprised when people are not kind. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes me sound naive. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> of course. They're but terrible. then when people are nice, I'm like, he was nice. What was that? Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. And you can't handle it. So mm. I think in some ways that's why we work because I am like often not the optimist mm. and you're often the pessimist. But I just thought, gosh, we could make this place beautiful. We definitely could. But you it's just need to kill not. 50% of the population. That's what I got from that. How do you do it? Is there like a test? No, nah, someone rigged a test. Mm. I'll have to think about it. I'll come back next week. No, I feel like that's the beginnings of communism, is it? That's not communism. That's just genocide. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, just straight up. Mm. (sighs) Anyway, that poem weirdly has given me comfort in a strange way. Really? Because I had the opposite. (laughs) Because I think there's only so so much you can, like, protect your kids from. Mm. You know what I mean? It gets to a point where I just want to, like, hold my son and grab him by the shoulders and be like, just, you've got to be really careful all the time. Nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, like I'll look out for you but I'm going to die one day so you, oh. need to, <laughs> you need to be careful. You need to know how to run from the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> no, I think why it makes me feel comforted is that I genuinely do feel like our, the world has good bones. You know that line? I agree with that. And I think also 50% is pretty good. That's like the odds, mm. like if, you, if that was a – if that was a casino game, yeah. which I guess it sort of is with Rule 8. There's different, not really because it's black and red and there's double zeros. It's not the end of But, yeah, that's a, a coin flip. It's pretty good odds. Yeah, and I think also the acknowledgement that the world isn't perfect and that mm. things are terrible. I think sometimes we have to walk around pretending like when things go wrong, oh, no, it's a shock, it's, surpri- it's a surprise or why did it happen to me? But I think the acknowledgement that actually the world is just 50% terrible mm. and terrible things happen to good people and great things happen to terrible people and vice versa and you just have to like what um, I always go back to what Pat Nozzle says about it's chaos be kind. Mm. You know, there is something really freeing about acknowledging that fact and then having hope despite it. Yeah. You know, being like, yes, there's good stuff here. It's an incredible place. This world and, and this you can planet also we just live get on. Someone on a bad day, or they take a turn yeah. at a certain point in time. Yeah, it's complicated. It is complicated. Yeah. Anyway, so that's "Good Bones" by Maggie Smith, and I encourage you to have a look at some of our other poetry too. Yeah, but all that's poetry. Just that one's good. <laughs> I feel. Is that the show? Um. Yes. All right. Reviewer time. I love re- reading reviews because the reviews are strictly non-political, and that's what I'm about. Like this one from <laughs> Antron Legacy says, surprisingly knowledgeable. These two know more about American politics than any of my family members. It's refreshing <laughs> to hear a take where they can acknowledge that both candidates are problematic but draw the line on human indecency. Yeah, I know. Because I'm like, oh, Joe Biden, really? Oh, okay, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so sad for 2020 that a presidential candidate refuses on multiple chances to denounce white supremacy and a vast portion of the population will still vote for him. Try harder, America. The world is laughing. Uh, some are even crying. I wouldn't even say the world. I don't think the world is laughing. No, um, I think the world is terrified. I think it's also like it, it's sad. It's like this is a when I grew up, and it probably wasn't accurate, but it was a place that you'd look to. It was like a beacon of yeah. hope. And like even we though felt was, protected and there safe, there were still terrible things going on. Yeah, totally. And that, yeah, but it was 
And it's just, I don't know whether that, maybe that's never been true and this is just making that more evident, but I think things have obviously, and it's just the divide just seems, maybe it's just the divide that I'm talking about. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm, everyone's into And it's the media's fault, Claire. I strongly believe that. Do you really? Yes. All right. Uh, well, not helping at least. Yeah. I, I mean, I think social media. All of it. Yeah, mm. the whole anyway, thing. Anyway, you've got some great letters, don't I do. you? He's yelling at us, guys. <laughs> Let me try and rein it back in. All right, I think I might end on the fun one. Mm. Um, and I'll talk about this one I just got today. So this one cool. is an email from a lovely um, person called Austin, and I just wanted to Austin read you it. Austin is a great name. It's such and a I've good always name, liked isn't it? it? It's such a good name, Austin. We could have considered that. We could have. For names. Um. So Austin wrote to us today and the title of his email was Election Night Thoughts from a Lost American. Oh. Oh. I know. Here we go. So you can write to the pod, the pod at suggestiblepod at gmail.com. Hey, Claire and James, been a fan for a long time. Don't think I've ever sent an email before. I'm a pilgrim from James's less successful podcast who migrated over at the beginning of the pandemic to Suggestible. I usually listen while I work in my garden. Nice. I know. It's That's your jam. It's my jam. I know. I like you a lot, Austin. It's currently 11.43 p.m. on election day. And I'm watching the TV about three quarters of the way through a bottle of red wine, a man after my own heart. I'm starting to feel a lot of the same sense of deja vu that I felt in 2016 when Hillary Clinton lost. I don't know if Joe Biden is going to win or lose, but the fact that it is this close is frankly a little embarrassing to me as an American. 2016 was my first election. I supported Bernie Sanders in the primary and I again did so in 2020 because I thought he represented the best of the America I'd seen growing up. Decency, empathy, grit, badassery, and a take-no-shit attitude. Both times when Bernie did not prevail, I was disappointed, but I bit the bullet and voted against Trump. I know how history will view him. I know how the world views him. It makes me embarrassed of my country, of what it's become. I can only speak for myself in this, and I am one of millions of Americans. But Donald Trump does not represent the best of this country. He represents our worst sins and our worst instincts. I agree. While I'm only one American, I'm sorry for the things I see my country doing and I'm reaching out to the pod to express my feelings to the international community that is suggestible. Yours in the struggle, Austin. It's a good email. Yeah, it is. It's a really good email. I mean, email. if you don't agree with him, you'd think that was a terrible email. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you would. I thought I might just read my reply. Yeah, I'm doing absolutely. a lot of reading on this pod today. Um, dear, what are you, a book? I Sorry, know, it must be. Hello, my name is Claire. You're an old boot and I'm a book. I don't know. It's a terrible joke. It's late. Okay, dear Austin, mate. I'm so sorry it's such a difficult and bewildering time for us too. You know, you didn't have to write back to him. You could have just said this to him. And uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, so go on. Yeah, well... Sometimes someone like people, I care about the world. I'm the 50% of the good people here, mate. I don't know where you, what side you stand on. Anyway, it's obvious to me that America has so many wonderful, kind and caring people like yourself and that Trump does not represent everyone. We are sending you all the love we can from over here. I followed Glennon Doyle and she told a story today about a man called AJ Must who held a lit candle every day outside the White House for the entire Vietnam War. When asked about it, he said he was not doing it to change his country as he was only one person, but he lit his candle so that his country would not change him. I think that's all we can do. Hold the course, light the candle, tell our stories, love our neighbours and tell some bloody good jokes to get through and get in the garden. Life still goes on. Oprah says, and we rise. I keep saying that to myself each day, and we rise. 
Keep safe, mate. And I know we're thinking of you and your country today. Claire. You wrote that. Yes, I did. Probably could have done with a proofread. was <laughs> 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 good. Far out. Anyway, I just wanted to send that out there to anyone if someone needs to hear that because I needed to hear it from Glennand. I really like that story. Anyway, we're thinking of everybody. And last but not least, we're going to finish on a high note because we also got this beautiful email from Sarah James. If you want to finish on a high note, I've got something. Oh, God, he's going to – what do you (laughs) get? Yes. (laughs) That that might have been the best. How long have we been doing this podcast? What bloody years? I don't know. Oh, God. We've really landed there, haven't we? (laughs) Goodness gracious. Okay. So Sarah James also wrote in and she has recommended a few really awesome things as well as a video of her three-year-old telling his dad he's a silly old boot. Love it. It's so cute. He's he's so sweet. When you showed me, I thought you were showing me one of our son's friends from kinder who'd picked up on this thing and was like, and now we're in trouble, that we'd spread this oh, like itself. Oh, yeah, you like, looked really. Oh, no. <laughs> and that is because I thought I was showing you something to cheer you up and you were like, oh, that's what we say. Oh, oh no. <laughs> we're in trouble. Am I in trouble with our son's kinder teacher? Anyway, I loved it. Uh, yeah. So Collins is going to put in a clip, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, right now. Thank you for cooking dinner, Daddy. You see, oh, <laughs> That's it. That's the show. That's We've the been show. Suggestible Pod. Uh, stay safe. Stay safe out there, pals. And if you can't, end on a high note. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> See you next week. Well, slightly off key, mate. I wasn't. <laughs> You're always off. Oh. Just a little. Oh. No, it was good. Oh. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, I got bye. work to do. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.